the conversation that you get to dive into, like out of necessity, you have to dive into with your partner conversations, questions that most people never ask themselves or never ask each other, even if they're together for decades. You're listening to the Mindful Mama podcast, episode number 394. Today, we are talking about how to make monogamy hot with Ashley Renard. Welcome to the Mindful Mama podcast. Here, it's about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. At Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have, and when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm your host, Hunter Clark Fields. I help smart, thoughtful parents stay calm so they can have strong, connected relationships with their children. I've been practicing mindfulness for over 20 years. I'm the creator of Mindful Parenting, and I'm the author of the best-selling book, Raising Good Humans, a mindful guide to breaking the cycle of reactive parenting and raising kind, confident kids. Welcome back to the Mindful Mama podcast. So glad to be with you today. And listen, if you haven't done so yet, please hit that subscribe button so you don't miss any episodes. And if you get some value from this, please go over to Apple Podcasts, leave us a rating and review, and it just helps the podcast grow. And it just takes 30 seconds. I greatly appreciate it from the bottom of my heart. And in just a moment, I'm going to be sitting down with Ashley Renard. She's a former figure skating coach and choreographer, and she took this quest for perfection into her marriage and motherhood. And she is now a writer through her books and her viral Keeping It a Hot video series. She's built a committed mass following who tune in daily for her fresh no-fuss advice on everything from keeping monogamy hot to how to renegotiate a marriage to getting kids to clean the house. This conversation is so important because our relationships with our partners is the foundation for our kids, you know, it's stability, right? Like this matters enormously. But being in a long-term monogamous relationship can be really hard. And, you know, with kids, it's even harder. And it can be this like death blow to our sex lives. But it doesn't have to be this way. So I'm going to talk about this with Ashley. She's going to share some stories. And even as we go into this episode, you're going to hear tips on equipment that can make monogamy hot again. So I hope you love it. Join me at the table as I talk to Ashley Renard. Do you want to stop yelling and have your child listen to? Well, I have exciting news for you. If you're hearing this right now, it means that the doors to mindful parenting are open at mindfulparentingcourse.com. This only happens for a limited time, and it may be perfect for you if you want to be that patient, calm parent, but you're afraid of being walked all over, you're losing it, and you want to be that steady, peaceful parent, you don't have a cohesive method, and you take in bad advice like just count to one, two, three. Mindful parenting is an evidence-based system that not only teaches you how to calm your reactivity, but offers you a ton of personal guidance. A lot of other parenting coaches talk about the best way to respond to your child, but guess what? They don't walk you through the research-proven practices that it really takes to create changes that actually last. Mindful Parenting teaches you the specific steps to create cooperative, loving relationships for life. In Mindful Parenting, you can learn how to stay calm, even if you find yourself shouting hourly now. Be present for your child no matter what they're going through. 
Resolve conflicts easily without yelling or taking away the iPad. Set limits without your child resenting you for days afterward. And build trust between you and your child so that you avoid misery in the teen years. The doors are open now at mindfulparentingcourse.com. Unlike other programs in Mindful Parenting, we offer one-on-one coaching to every member and weekly drop-in coaching sessions. Don't wait anymore. You and your kids are worth leveling up. Go to mindfulparentingcourse.com and join now before the doors close again. That's mindfulparentingcourse.com. I'll see you there. So Ashley, thank you so much for coming on the Mindful Mama podcast. Hunter, thank you so much for having me. I'm glad to talk to you, and I'm so excited to talk about this. I think this is so important. This is such an integral part of parenting, right, is to, like, have strong relationships. If we're in a relationship with a parenting partner, to, like, have a strong relationship. We're going to talk about monogamy. Well, but first, let me just, like, tell us a little bit about yourself and kind of, like, what led you to this, wanting to write about this. Yeah, so Hunter's giggling, and all of you guys just giggle now. We're just going to, like, rip the bandit off. So I... I'm from Canada, raised in figure skating. Like I'd skates on my feet when I was two and a half years old and spent the next 37 years on the ice, like six days a week. Okay. Taking that perfectionism into marriage and motherhood um, with some good results until I didn't get good results anymore. And I was just reaching for the highest level of difficulty in everything, including my marriage, because I had three kids. My littlest was a toddler. Um, I was still nursing, Hunter, and running my nonprofit, homeschooling on purpose. This is before pandemic, home birthing, all of these things. It's like I ran out of cakes to bake on Pinterest in my spare time. And I thought, how can I have more excitement? Because nothing was making me feel satisfied. But I was so used to having drive. I think, you know, so many of us have, have drive and doing as our coping mechanism so often, right? Just keep going, keep trying that I really pushed my marriage to the limit with non-monogamy. And honestly, it was like, a, oh, isn't it great that we're not really jealous? We could go to, we like Google like swinger sex clubs and they're in every city in the country, every city and tap hundreds of people. So we really uh, experimented right on the edge of like high level of difficulty in marriage. Oh, wait, wait, okay, wait, wait, slow down, slow down. Because this is so interesting because, like, you know, this is something that is a fascination between, you know, myself and my girlfriends. And, you know, we're like, what is that? You know, there's like there people have open marriages. There's all, you know, you ner- learn about that stuff now. And you and your husband decided to try that. How can you just like before you're like, we decided to Google sex clubs. How did that conversation go and who brought it up? Such a good question. It was a conversation. Wait, wait. And one more question. I'm sorry. I don't usually interrupt in that way. But I but also like, let's talk about like, also, what were some of the challenges that were leading to that? You know? Yeah. Okay. So here's the thing. Me and my husband and I both have like some really incredible blind spots that we can just like, we can just plow right through. So we did not think we were reaching towards this adventure because there's anything wrong in our marriage like we very egotistically i can feel now like ego is in like you know those blind spots in our in our development and our awareness um really thought oh god everyone would do this if everyone was as had as little possessive nature and jealousy as we do so we really went into it like 
oh, like everyone would love to have their cake and eat it too. And just have some sort of thing that's more exciting than the Groundhog Day of committed long-term partnership and intimacy and parenthood and everything. You know, we've been passing kids back and forth for 10 years. Our jobs were incredibly stressful. And we thought, wait, is there any way we can prioritize fun for us? And I would say my husband would bring it up more often over the years. But I did not push back a lot because it didn't give me an uncomfortable feeling. It was more like, oh, my God, how could we ever be alone for eight hours without our children? Like it was more just like that seems like, you know, going through the looking glass. So we would have these conversations um, over the years. And then we got to a point where we knew we were done having kids and our littlest was old enough to go for sleepovers at the grandparents with the older two, the three boys, they're 15, 13, and nine now. And we went with the mentality that the majority of people go with to a swingers sex club. Okay. They, they're like, they look like bars. They're like a warehouse in a bar, right? Um, they're sort of like a bar in a warehouse. Most people who go are just going there for the atmosphere. They're not going there to interact with anybody else other than their partner. They're going because the environment's super sexy. And the fact that just pri- the fact that pleasure for grown-ups is prioritized so openly is something that we're not used to in our society. Um, you walk in and everybody is so welcoming um, because everybody can remember how they felt the first time they walked in and they were like, oh my God, are there going to be normal people? Are they going to be nice people? So you walk in and it's like Cheers or Sesame Street. Like everybody's so nice, Hunter. And then everybody's there just to have fun. And it's not actually a creepy atmosphere, even though, and I will, I'll, um, you can dig for more details of this, but in every club we've been to, it's uh, set up so that people are allowed to be nude or engage in physical intimacy with their partner out in front of everybody. So there may be like mattresses around. There may be like, um, there, there are, there are mattresses around. There are private rooms where you could close the door and close the curtain or leave the curtain open a little bit. Wow, I feel so innocent. Like, listen to the whole conversation. I'm like, I'm 44 and I, I'm, I don't, I'm not like shy about things. This is so fascinating. Tell me more. I'm going to tell you everything. And then, so I would say, so there are like three different groups of people who we've met at clubs and talked to. And I just love talking to people. So I would go there like the conversation and be like, how long have you been married? Like I was, it's like I knew I was going to be writing about this even when we were there first testing the water. Because I was like, this is fascinating that there's a whole subculture that that people don't talk about and everybody keeps so, so private. And that's one of like the tenets of the swing lifestyle. Like if you run into somebody you know at a club, you know, well, we're both here. So like there's this like code of silence. So like the the biggest insecurities and the biggest questions are going to come up in conversation with your partner before you even buy the tickets to go to the place, right? Like the conversation that you get to dive into, like out of necessity, you have to dive into with your partner conversations, questions that most people never ask themselves or never ask each other, even if they're together for decades. Like, okay, if you saw me kiss someone else, would that like upset you or not? Would it make me a turn on? Would it make me be neutral? If I was dancing with someone in touch, would that be okay or not okay? Because it's just like, we don't really know what we're getting into. So you want to like lay out all the ground rules. So there's this opportunity to really dig in to some things that are normally just assumptions in relationships. And for me, that brought me the emotional intimacy with my husband that I was craving so badly, even though I had convinced myself so strongly that I was so grateful 
for my healthy kids and my thriving business and my like husband who is a great hands-on dad, even though I didn't have the emotional intimacy with him that I really, really craved. Well, did you guys, can I ask this since you're so open about it? Yeah. I mean, like, what was your sex life like? I mean, like. Awesome. Always awesome. It was, it was good. Okay, great. Well, it was always great. And Hunter, I would say it's always, my sex life has always been great mm-hmm. Um, because I really am comfortable with sex. And that's why, like, I make videos. My most viral video series is How to Keep Monogamy Hot about this. And it's like I'm talking about the weather because people just feel like it's disarming because I am really, really comfortable talking about it. And I always knew my body. I was a figure skater and then a coach and choreographer for 23 years after I stopped competing. And I know how to tell someone else what to do with their body in relation to mine very easily. So like from the first time my husband and I were ever together with our clothes off, it was like fire works. And he's like, I'm the king of the world. And I'm like, that was great. It's always great for me. But glad it's great with you too. You know what I mean? Like it was so, and then I'm I'm giving those details there too, because this is the thing that I think was one of the greatest gifts of dipping our toe or diving in or whatever people want to call it. Because some people would say like, I went like all the way. I would say I tried, but it got so complicated so quickly that like all the demons of conversations past came up to haunt me. Like everything that we had brushed under the rug, everything I decided you know, maybe I don't really care about that much. Maybe that doesn't matter to me. Like things I'd felt dissatisfied about in our relationship and just thought, no, 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 like mind over matter, right? I mean, I I was an athlete in a sport where even if you were trying your hardest, you had to make it look effortless and beautiful. Like you're not allowed to sweat in skating. Do you know what I mean? So a lot of our things in our marriage were me just thinking like, I I can outsmart my emotions by just going, no, that's not really that important to me. Stay tuned for more Mindful Mama podcast right after this break. I want to tell you about a great podcast that you should check out, especially if you ever deal with any school system, which you probably do. It's called Understood Explains. This season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Ortube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. And this season of Understood Explains covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP and busts common myths about special education. So I checked out the episode on the difference between IEPs and 504 plans because my daughter Maggie uses a 504 plan and it was really, really helpful. It went over all the differences, which one's better, how to get them, different myths and what your rights are, all kinds of different things that you should understand if your child may need extra help in education through an IEP or a 504 plan. The tone is super helpful, friendly, and smart. I highly recommend you check it out. To listen to Understood Explains, just search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's it. Understood Explains. So my husband's had hair thinning issues for years, for a long time. It's not something he'd love to have, and he's done some things for it. But recently, he started using Nutrafol, and oh my gosh, we have actually seen quite a difference. 
Did you know that for women, hair thinning happens in approximately one in two women? And if you're among them, I want you to know that you're definitely not alone. It's normal, but it's not openly talked about and going through it can feel lonely and frustrating. But you can join over one million people who are doing something about it with Nutrafol. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist recommended hair growth supplement with over 1 million people seeing thicker, stronger, faster growing hair with less shedding, like my honey. Physician formulated with drug-free ingredients, Nutrafol supplements support healthy hair growth from within by targeting root causes of thinning, including stress, hormones, environment, nutrition, lifestyle, and metabolism as they evolve throughout a woman's life. And while many supplements rely solely on ingredient studies, Nutrafol clinically tests final formulations to ensure their efficacy. In a clinical study, 86% of women reported improved hair growth after taking Nutrafol's women's hair growth supplement for six months. With Nutrafol, building a hair growth routine is simple. Purchase online, no prescription required, free shipping, and automated deliveries to ensure you'll never miss a day. See results in three to six months. Take the first step to visibly thicker, healthier hair. For a limited time, Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your first month's subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com and enter the promo code MINDFULPARENTING. Find out why over 4,500 healthcare professionals and hairstylists recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Nutrafol.com, spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L. Dot com promo code mindful parenting that's neutrafol.com promo code mindful parenting so are you saying like this experience then of like talking to him having these conversations then going to these clubs and have all these things open up it brought to light some dissatisfactions it brought this emotional intimacy that you really crave which is so cool and then it also brought to light some dissatisfactions that you had absolutely absolutely because it's like when you are upping the ante that much, when you're saying like, oh, yeah, we're going to summit like Kilimanjaro like on Saturday, you got to like pull your you got to look at what's in your gear bag. You know what I mean? And when I started when we started having these harder conversations, I realized we really have very few communication skills um, to get through anything that's sticky because we would just both of us Enneagram threes were Libras with multiple placements in Libra each. We love harmony so much. Um, and we had really told ourselves that, oh, we are such a solid couple because we never fight like other people do. But I mean, you probably ran into that and had conversations with other people. Not fighting is so often just a sign of codependency, people pleasing, just avoidance. Right. So for for us, it really it created a situation where it was like we were looking at our marriage through a microscope and with an aerial view, like a drone view at the same time. And we couldn't really ignore things anymore about our, our real dysfunction as far as communication, like we really had to put our chips on the table and go, oh, wow, like we are out of our depth here. I think we just pushed right. I pushed it right to the limit because I think I knew maybe that there wasn't as strong of a foundation as I liked to tell myself that there was. Um, so it's like, you know, when you like shake the tree to see what comes out, it was kind of a situation like that. Um, and then uh, then you have to deal with the things that come out if you want to stay together. Right. Which has been that was the process of swing, really understanding, okay, wait, when you push a relationship to the limit so that, well, we can't just go back to how we were before, um, what, what are the things you have to do on a one-on-one level, like to yourself, like an internal relationship with yourself level 
to decide, all right, I haven't been honest with myself and how do I want to move forward with integrity? Um, and it took a while to figure out, is that something that my husband's going to be a partner in moving forward? Because a lot of the hard conversations were conversations that were just further than he ever wanted to go. You know, she was just like, can't we, can't we just say things are good enough, you know? And so you're talking about emotional intimacy here, right? Like in, in this, in these hard conversations you're describing. Yeah, I'm talking about emotional intimacy because that's what it really brought up for us because the sex life was never lacking. And I really thought I was just going there for excitement. And so two thirds of people who go to clubs don't have any interaction, are not having sex with other people or having any like touching interaction. A third of the people would just go to a club. And this is what we did the first couple of times just for the incredible atmosphere and then go to a back room. A lot of people just go home then and have like great wild sex with their partner, maybe for a couple of days, like because the afterglow really is a real thing. And that's hard to uh, manufacture in a relationship that you've been in for so long, like to really crank up the excitement that high. Like, so it's mimicking the first months that you were intimate. Like it's, it is really a surreal experience to kind of have that again. Another third of people who are at clubs, and this is what our favorite thing was to do, was to be there dancing, maybe have a glass or two of wine. The action starts on the dance floor. Like you might look over Hunter and like a woman is on her knees, like giving oral sex to her partner, like right there on the dance floor. Like it is like, or a man, you know, has his hand like up his wife's dress and you can just see like, okay, like it is so open. It is so open <laughs> and it's so kind of mind blowing for all of that to be happening in real life because in most people have not been in that situation with strangers having intimacy, right? Naked strangers in the same space as them. So the way it cranks up like your pleasure centers and your, your it's, I could feel for myself right away. Wow. This is something I could become very interested in just because the excitement was there. And I really had gone searching for excitement without my partner in most areas of my life, like building my skating organization and all of these different things, all these different ways that as moms and as wives and 90% of my DMs are actually from men who have found my content and they're like, wow, I'm realizing that being a good husband is more than like just, you know, doing the dishes. Like, okay, that's something for the house, but being a good husband is actually asking my wife different questions so I get different answers and like men are taking more responsibility. And I think part of that is because I coach teenagers for decades. So like, the way I can communicate so it's pretty clear and it doesn't get your back up or get your defenses up. And you can say, oh, OK, yeah, this is a new idea suggestion. And there's like some cooperation already sort of woven in the frequency of it. I think that's one of the reasons that men are being so pulled to my content. But the thing that I see so often from women is when we feel dissatisfied, we feel so much shame about it, especially if we have healthy children and a beautiful house and privilege um, that other people would really, you know, real that would really help other people, really give other people a leg up in their life. And so to feel dissatisfied in a lovely looking life, like there's a lot of asking yourself, why should I just be more grateful? Yeah, I can really imagine the listener say, think, you know, a lot of listeners thinking that like when we, yeah, if you have healthy kids, you have a nice house, you have things like that, your sex life may be just meh, but should we just feel grateful for all the great things in our life, right? Like, but it's interesting because you had great sex. I mean, the thing is, like, I think that a lot of people are not having great sex. 
a lot of people are not having great sex in their partnerships. Are are, are monogamous partnerships ne- aren't necessarily hot? And do we? And that is a question that kind of goes in our minds. Like, do we even? Should I even be? It, it like kind of goes against this sort of ideal mother quality of like, oh, self-sacrificing that like BS ideal mother stuff. But like we have a right to and it's not there's nothing wrong with us for having a desire. There's nothing wrong with you for wanting to have great sex like that is an essential component of being human and, and having a good marriage, too. It is absolutely. And here, I think, is where one of the fundamental disconnects lies is that in marriage, we go into marriage, especially cis-het marriage, which is the majority of... Wait, wait, wait. We need to define that for people because... Yeah. Okay. Ashley, I started... Lis- I've been listening to okay. John Savage's Savage Love podcast in the last year. It took me like six months to figure out what cis-het meant. So I will just like tell us what it is. So I will slow it down. We'll back it up. Okay. <laughs> so hetero, the het means just heterosexual. Heterosexual and cis means like gender assigned to birth. So it's like husband and wife. It's like the bride and groom on top of the damn wedding cake. It's like what a majority of committed partnerships, I would say, look like. Right. Okay. But when we enter those partnerships, we've all been given a different set of rules about marriage that I've just been programmed into us, right? About like what husbands are like or what wives are like or what things married people are likely to fight about. And, you know, if you're looking or if you've just been like put in a certain faith community or culture or something, you're going to get like just that whole flavor on top of like, you know, having to endure like married with children with Al Bundy and the sh- terrible humor all around about like just how either women as a wife like his direction and his like comments about Peg how she was like you know he has this beautiful wife who's dressed up for him every day and he's talking about how she's like how she's the most annoying thing he's ever seen in his life like he can't tolerate his wife but his daughter is so hot Christina Applegate remember played his daughter Kelly his daughter is so hot that he routinely makes jokes to his friends about do you want to bang my daughter so it's like all right, we've got like confusing messages maybe about how men should treat women. Uh, we're, we're, we know that. And in marriage, so often it gets more confusing because we have been told, a lot of us have got this memo that men are going to want sex more than women. Okay. So when there's emotional disconnection in a relationship and the female partner is like, I can't believe you're asking for that right now. Like, I can't believe you, you're coming up and rubbing up against me. You're like, hey, baby, can we get it on? And it's like, don't you know these other responsibilities we have in the in the house? Do, don't you know how hard I'm working? Like when men actually want emotional intimacy, quite often they just ask for sex because that's the only thing that they have been told all the time that they are okay to crave and it still makes them more manly. So quite often they actually just want to talk or they want to have their hand held or they want to have their fears heard, but they don't know how to ask for any of those things, Hunter. So what they'll say is, They'll be grumpy because they're not getting sex very regularly. And then the the female partner will be like, I have three kids and they're so exhausting. And why are you pouting like a toddler? Like, I'm so confused here. And he's like, well, sex. And it's like, okay, well, I got to tell you that pouting is not the way to get me there. Because then it's like, and listen, I love sex so much. And I know my body. And I love my partner, even though we are two humans in relationship who are trying to evolve and really get closer to our own spiritual growth, really get closer to our own passion and still stay together in a healthy partnership. I mean, it's just 
I want everybody to understand like it's a lot of work, but there are a lot of places in life where it's done better than marriage. Like in team sports, the way that people rely on each other and they say, yeah, a huge part of my job is to make my partner look good and feel good. And you get to reduce your ego. You get to you really get to really turn up how much influence you're allowing your partner to have over you. Like, how open are you to having your mind changed by your partner? How open are you to getting to like a new understanding? Because a lot of us, a lot of us dig our heels in and we become very stubborn because we're annoyed with something our partner has done, but we don't bring in the awareness or we're not bringing the self-awareness in to say, you know, how am I holding this pattern where it is? Like, where am I actually not acting out of integrity? Like, acting from integrity to have a more honest conversation with my partner. I think that so many people just feel so exhausted about the same little things that come up that they fight about with their spouse, whether it's like the credit card bill or, you know, the car maintenance or this thing with this kid or this kid. And we just get in the habit of just never getting to the next level, you know, just kind of stewing in or stewing around these issues. So let's say we decide, we say, I deserve great sex. I want great sex in my life. I want a hot monogamous relationship. I want to take it to the next level. Where do people start? I mean, are you asking, are you saying we need to start with self-reflection? I think that would be wonderful. And some people aren't there yet. So the way I recommend people start is text your partner and say, hey, honey, I have something kind of awkward to talk to you about. Do you want to talk? Do you want to do it over text or do you want to talk later? And then listen, I've had to break bad news to teenagers for a long time or skating parent. So it's like, you know, there's there's an art of just communicating it. You want to just put the sign up and go, this is kind of an awkward conversation for both of us. And I'm, I don't feel the most comfortable here. And then hopefully a couple things, your partner will go, oh, OK, I wonder if I did something wrong. I'm going to maybe prep in sort of a fertile way to receive maybe something I don't want to hear, but I'm going to repart myself. And then when you say, hey, I heard this podcast, I was listening to Hunter's podcast and the woman on there was talking about keeping monogamy hot. And I was thinking like, there are some things that I would love to try or do, or I would just love for it to be more intentional, or I would love for us to have more fun, or I would love for us to have more variety, or it's been a while, babe, it's been a while. And I would love to, you know, set a date and at least like have a makeout session. Here's the thing, you got to start. And a lot of us, resist. A lot of us resent the courage it takes to start an awkward conversation and we just stew about how mad we are at our partner, like that things aren't in a satisfying place. So text your partner, see what they say, then start the conversation. If they get defensive in any way or if they push you off like they don't want to talk about it, leave a little space, especially if this isn't something that you routinely talk about or it's something that you know is hard for them to talk about because of their faith upbringing or this or that or whatever it is that is complicated something that's already no it's complicated something that's actually so simple our bodies are incredible and they can do incredible things and in the closeness and intimacy of a committed partnership you can actually you can actually use your two bodies together to go like oh my god how much better can we make that how could we try you know your body on my body in this position and this and that and oh what if we use lead before what if we have massage oh my god my brain is just in a totally different space just open up the conversation. And then there are some basic things in the bedroom that I recommend that especially married couples with kids have to make quickies easier, to make excellent sex more accessible, to make 
even a 15 minute romp, something that like feels energizing to both of you. Okay. Because when was the last time you and your partner, and this is hypothetical, went and were like, we are going to kill it. We are going to hit it out of the park today in this thing that we're going to do together. Okay. If you're in business together, maybe you have some opportunities to do that. But a lot of people work separately, even though everybody's working from home. A lot of people are working from home now. Still, people are working on like completely different missions that are kind of, unless you intentionally come back together, those are actually bringing you further apart too. You're not really feeling understood or supported the way you'd like to. These are the things you need in a bedroom. You need a sex blanket. You need a dedicated intimacy bed covering. You know how like, you know, there, there'll be the wet spot. Oh, for the for the wet spot. Yeah, no, the wet spot or the cleanup or the whatever. And listen, I love having a clean house. That's one of the things that I love. So I, our bed is always made. So we throw a huge waterproof blanket over the bed, Hunter, and then we grab the lube and body oil because that's the second thing we need. Lube and body oil. We never used lube in our relationship ever. And I'm not at perimenopause yet, even though menopause comes very early in my family and I'm 42. But so it's not like there was a physical change for lube. It was that Actually, I'd started making some videos and companies started sending me things. And I was like, oh, we could try it. And I was like, this is incredible. Like, it feels good, like, second one, right? So it's just like, how do we just get there faster? And it's like, with the blanket down, we can, like, get lube on our hands and then rub it on each other's body. It's like, on my shoulder sure. Oh, like, loosens your inhibitions of the waterproof blanket because you're like, let's just go crazy with this stuff because you're not worried about your lovely duvet cover from the company store or whatever. You know, <laughs> just like... Exactly. My beautiful white duvet cover looks perfect. But we can... So it's like, listen, it's, it's reducing the resistance around really having fun. Is it going to make a mess? Is it going to take time? Do we have what we need? Do we have enough time? The kids are all there. But okay, what we do is we just lock the door. We tell the kids. I was going to say, that's got to be part of the equipment, the lock on the door. We lock the door and it's just like, and our kids are three and, or sorry, our, we have three kids who are nine, 13 and 15. And honestly, our kids don't want to have that much to do with us. We are so glad that we play family board games a couple nights a week and they're like, hey, you want to play Taboo? And we're like, oh my God, how are we still cool? Like, yes, kids. For the most part, they would really like to be FaceTiming their friends. Um, so if we sneak away to the bathroom or if we sneak away to the master bedroom for 30 minutes in the evening, and like I go to bed before anybody in my house. So this is like a 5.30 or 6 p.m. thing. The, our kids aren't missing us, Hunter. They're not concerned about where we are. And the third thing that we have in our bedroom is some kind of toy. I love the magic wand because it is a great multi-use vibrator that can be used for massage. It's also just so big and so powerful, Hunter, that when we are having intercourse, if I put that vibrator anywhere below my belly button, I'm having an orgasm. <laughs> oh. And that doesn't happen so easily during intercourse for a lot of people, including me. I would rather at climax from oral than from intercourse. But when, maybe I haven't had a shower, maybe I'm sweaty from my hike, maybe I'm just like, I would love to have fun, but I only have 20 minutes, then we can just get it. This is the thing. When, when you have less time and you go in and you're like, this is going to be amazing and you have the muscle memory, you have the cooperative memory, you have the goodwill towards each other because you did this two days ago or you did this a week ago or you did this two weeks ago when it was like you went in, you went into the bedroom and like you hit it out of the park. There were like high fives across the bed. Like, wow, we're good at this. Like that kind of fun with a partner is delicious because as an adult, things just aren't as fun as they could be, you know? And if we can try to work that in, then 
you go in, you have incredible sex, you come out kind of breathless. The kids are like, hey, mom, hey, dad. And then, you know, your partner goes and unloads the dishwasher or you say, oh, hey, babe, hey, I had I reconsidered that mortgage thing we were talking about, the refinance. What do you think about X, Y, Z? And already there's this goodwill. Already it's like when we cooperate, magic happens. So like if we can get to that place where we legitimately have an afterglow with our partner, we are cooking with gas. Like that is actually the energy from which I would love to parent and mother and relate to my husband as much as possible. Like really from that place of like, we are a good team and I have a memory in my body. I have endorphins flowing through me that remind me of just how safe and great life can feel when we're really working together. Stay tuned for more Mindful Mama podcasts right after this break. We are supported by Mysteries About True Histories, affectionately known as Math Mysteries About True Histories. It's a weekly show full of time travel puzzles, hidden equations, history, and lots of laughs. I highly recommend this podcast. It is really wonderful, especially if you have kids like around like six plus, but it can totally be enjoyed by the whole family. So I listened to the episode, The Pirate Queen, and you're just dropped right in the middle of the action. People are fighting. There's sword fight. And then these kids, they've gone on a time travel mission and they have to solve problems in the midst of it. And it really just like exemplifies everything we support here at Mindful Parenting. You know, kids who are adventurous, doing things on the world, they're capable. And then they do things like they have to do math, they have to think critically, they have to code break and pattern solving and all this great stuff. Beyond just the Pirate Queen episode, which I highly recommend, episodes transport listeners to moments in history, too, like Pythagoras, Ancient Greece, the era of the Aztecs, Sir Isaac Newton's England, and more. So jump in with your family. Follow the adventures of Max and Molly on an adventure through time with puzzles and hidden equations and laughs, and it really does make learning really fun and really cool. Perfect for ages six and up. New episodes drop every Thursday, each stacked with so much laughter that your kiddos won't even realize how much they're learning. So tune into Mysteries About True Histories with your kids, and you can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. That's Mysteries About True Histories. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. <laughs> well, you're Amy more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, I love this. I mean, this is great. We have... 
We have tools. We have, I mean, I think the picture you're painting is really positive and hopeful and exciting about the where we can get to. Like we're a place where intentional, we're having fun. Speaking of intentional, do you recommend like people schedule sex? Do you recommend that people do things like sext, that kind of stuff? Like, you know what? It's going to be different for everyone. I think the more you can bring it to the table, if you want an improvement in your life in a certain place, the more you can go, how is that looking? Look at that. How is that looking? And just bring that conversation up. I think that's the biggest stumbling block for a lot of people that they never saw their parents talk about sex and maybe their parents didn't talk to them about it at all, right? So honestly, we have very little experience seeing our parents be husband and wife to each other. We see them being parents. We saw our parents being hands-on parents or not being the kind of parent we would like to be, right? But then we're, every generation is left to kind of reinvent the wheel for like, wait, where, how do we interact as partners? Wait. So even if talking about intimacy is like makes your skin crawl and goes, and, and if you think, okay, I don't mind having sex, but I never want to talk about it, bringing some playfulness, bringing just a little curiosity and bringing it even like a homework assignment, like, you know what? I just want my kids to have a little bit of an easier time in marriage than I'm having. So I'm going to start these conversations with my partner and bring the kids in a little bit on this, you know, on like on as adults, when you don't agree, how how is there compromise? How do you get to a place where you both feel like you're heard? You know, and and sex is a way that really it's one of the harder things to talk about, right? Like sex, money, religion, politics, right? Like, woo, it's like one of the big ones. But because of that, alchemy that can happen in a relationship when you go, wait a minute, we're going to, we're going to make, we're going to make this month, we're going to make, you know, say February coming up, we're going to have an awesome sex month. So we're just going to prioritize that as a couple, right? Like we're just going to prioritize that, having fun, moving some responsibilities off our plate, talking about when we want to do it, like open up the conversation. What I say is if you would love to have intimacy with your partner later today to let them know, hey, I would love to hang out with you later. Is there anything that I can take off your plate in order to make that happen? And if you're the partner who has everything on your plate and when your spouse brings up intimacy, you're like, feel like, oh my God, we need to get this puppy fixed because I feel like this man is like humping my leg, right? Because that is sort of like the weird young sort of like not on the same level energy that marriage sometimes goes into when there's like a little bit of a, a miss. There's not clear communication about sex and there's not a trust that both people want it and that it's something that they're going to come to together. If you're the partner who's overdoing, you're saying, hey, it is really hard for me to get my head in the game if like I know that this thing is like undone or that thing's undone or even my partner will say to me, okay, so you had that stressful work call that you just got out of and okay, do you want to go have have sex like a nooner to then, you know, like recalibrate. And I'll say, yeah, I say that would be so fantastic. I would love to hang out with you, but there's no way I'm having an orgasm right now because my nervous system is still so, so stimulated from that stressful conversation I was, I had to have for work that, yeah, I would just be going through the motions. Um, So I can't, like, I would rather us just go for a walk together or we have a sauna, be in the sauna naked. That has been such an incredible thing for asking him I asked my husband really specifically if he's like, are you in the mood for sex? I'm like, I don't really know if I want to have orgasms right now, but I would love a sauna. Do you just want to like lay with me naked in the sauna? And he's like, 
oh my God, yes, please. Right. And, and I've told him, I don't love being touched in the sauna physically. Like I don't, I don't, I don't. Um, but sometimes I realized just a few weeks ago over Christmas break, I realized, oh, but I don't mind giving. I don't actually mind touching him or like, you know, manually or orally, like stimulating him if we're in that situation. But I really, really don't want it. And he keeps trying to give to me in that situation, Hunter. And I keep going, no, 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 I really still don't like it in the sauna. And he's like, I just feel bad not giving. And I'm like, okay, we need to be more implicit about when we are just receiving without any strings attached. Because I think there's so much just under the surface resentment in most partnerships about who's doing what and whether we're really in a relationship of reciprocity. That getting much more specific about what we need in a situation to feel good, it seems like so granular. But a lot of us as partners, if we know specifically what actually will make our partner feel better, we're really willing to do that. But, you know, we just don't stay in the conversation long enough to get the clarity. Okay, so we need to bite the bullet and have these conversations. But if, uh, earlier you said, bring the kids in on this like conversation. Now, what are you talking about there? Because I'm, I'm sure if that stopped me for a second, I'm like, huh? That stopped a bunch of my listeners. Okay. So I got paid to tell other people's kids what to do for a decade before I ever became a mother, before I ever had my own children. So I give kids a lot of credit because I used to have to put 16 to 20 athletes on the ice, all of them with blades on their feet. And well, first we would spend thousands and thousands and tens of thousands of dollars to fly to like California for nationals, right? And I had to, I had to confidently put these children on the ice and know they were going to keep each other safe, right? That I had been specific enough in my in my instructions to them. So kids are so wise. They are sponges. Energetically, they could tell you everything that's going on in your marriage, even if you say your marriage is fine. They get the vibe of all of it. So if something is weird between you and your partner, tell your kids, we're buying a new house and deciding what we're going to take as a business loss and what we're going to show as revenue this year because we really want to qualify to the mortgage for this beautiful house is a different conversation than we've had in other years. And we're really coming up against, well, I think the patriarchy is smacking me in the face with every conversation, but we're coming up against some really old held beliefs that my husband, who was raised in a Greek Orthodox household, they're coming to the surface, right? And going like, wait a minute, do we really want to carry that forward? With, with our children as far as partnership, true partnership in marriage. So I've been talking to my kids and saying, daddy and I are really not agreeing on how we're going to handle the finances right now because we really have different, we have different things that are important to us and neither of us are wrong, but we're really both being very stubborn about the thing that we think is important. And so we're going to have to have a lot of conversations to try to get more on the same page. Even if we disagree, we have to have, I want to get to a place where we're not resentful where we truly understand that the other person is go going for the best, like they think it's the best thing for the family. So just bringing these conversations to our kids. But what if that conversation and difficulty is about sex and we're, we're trying to have these conversations about sex and intimacy within our partnership? Yeah. Okay. So sex is very rarely just about sex. It's about we both really willing to receive because that's a, that's a big thing for moms. They do, they do, they do, they do, they do, they do, they do. And they really feel like they need to do to a certain level where they're going to, at some point, feel like they've done enough and they're going to be able to relax. But we know that that's not actually something that happens very often. We just keep doing and doing and we get really addicted to the cortisol and like all of the things that run through our bodies when we're like kind of doing things in panic or rush. So 
when we're talking about it with our partner, it's not just, you know, could you change your technique in the bedroom? It's like, could you listen to me? Are you willing to listen? Am I willing to actually be open? It takes vulnerability from both, both people. So I think those conversations are things that you can model for your kids all the time, that you can model for your kids all the time. And if it is a challenge for you to talk about those things, practice in front of your kids. You don't have to get it perfect. You don't have to get it perfect. You got to just try. And when you're misunderstood, go, wait a minute. Okay, that didn't come out right. Can I try that again? Show your kids that having the courage to have honest conversations is like just the courage to say, I want to open this book and start talking about it whatever it is, and the fear that we're going to bump up against something in our partners or ourselves that is going to be like, I don't know what we're really fearful of. So let's just give your listeners the invitation to say, if you just panic thinking, oh my God, I, I, I need, I'm dissatisfied in the bedroom and I need to talk to my partner about it, or I need to talk to my partner, I'm dissatisfied with the way they initiate because it's dismissive and it's like doesn't take into account the things that I'm doing at that time. It makes me feel invisible when they initiate when I'm busy or whatever. Then you need to say, it makes me feel invisible when I am working on something and you're like, hey, it looks like you're doing nothing here. Would you like to have sex? You know, or whatever it is, like just open up these conversations. So you're saying like, let's be open. Let's open up this sort of vulnerability, open up these conversations about our being honest and authentic and transparent about our needs and wants, not necessarily talk about our sex life with our kids. But talk about other aspects of our partnership and our relationship, like about our needs and wants and owning them as all humans have needs and wants. Absolutely. And owning your growth process and giving your kids a little bit of perspective about that. Like, oh, yeah, you know, daddy and I used to think like we would always do things this way. And then, you know, after we had your brother, we were like, wait a minute that works for our family anymore. So we had to figure out how do we really want to do it? Um, and just talking about too, like we talk to our kids about the pressures that come from in-laws from both sides and just saying we grew up in two different kinds of families. So like I have this autopilot and daddy has this autopilot. So like for us to actually consciously make a decision of what's important, we have to, we have to unpack that a little bit and bring some awareness. So just like those kinds of things with your kids, tell your kids, when you were brave enough to change your mind, be brave enough to let your kid change your mind, you know, like be brave enough to go, wait a minute, tell me more about your opinion. Huh? Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're totally right with that. Like, it's just really opening up the vulnerability. And in order to do that, Hunter, we need to slow down a little bit, right? Because well, if we're just running from one panicked thing to another, and I mean, that's why like your, your audience knows this and the things you teach, like we have to become more mindful if we want to feel more satisfied. We have to become more mindful if we want to actually get our needs met. Mm. So many of us have thought, well, I married that person and they don't really check these boxes anymore. So I guess I don't have that in my life. And I would like to invite everyone to go, wait a minute. I want to pull those back out of that, you know, that shoe box under my bed and go, I always thought I would have this and this and this in my marriage. What if I brought that to my partner and said, hey, is, I think maybe we could have this together. What do you think? Could we work towards these things? I love that. I love that. I mean, I think that that's the modeling. I mean, that's what a healthy relationship looks like, right? We're not like, we're not just putting part of ourselves in the closet and saying, oh, well, you know, we're saying this is my one life and maybe we can, you know, my needs and your needs, you know, if we have enough solutions, we can figure it out. We get both of our needs met, right? And that's the way that in team sports or in business, like if we were business partners, Hunter, we would be like, 
oh my God, it's so amazing that we're different. It's so amazing that you see things from this perspective and I see things from this perspective Um, because we don't have the same blind spots and here we go, let's build an empire. Okay, and when we're different in marriage, we go, oh, men are like that, women are like that, whatever. And you know, like, you know, women will perpetuate it by like complaining about, you know, how their husband's like another child or, you know, they can't pack this or pack that. And it's like, what story do we really want to be telling about marriage? Because I would love, and I think that most of us have this idea, if we chose our spouse, like we weren't in an arranged marriage, okay? There was some point in our lives where we said, you, you, I think it's you that's going to make my life better. Like partnering up with you is like, yes, oh my God, yes. And then there's, there's just so much disappointment in life, right? Because things don't work out when you hope or how you hope. And then we can start to doubt, like, did I even pick the right person? Can I have the things I want in life? Because like some of these things don't come very easily with this package of a human that I got. And I'm a package of a human. Like, you know, when we got married, my husband and I met right out of college, 21, 22 years old. So we've been together 20 years last August. Same here. (laughs) We never knew what it was going to be like to parent a 15-year-old together. This is our first time doing that now that we have a freshman in high school. I mean, let's just give ourselves some grace that like we are all just figuring this out and we can we can have a little humor and we can have a little playfulness around it. And instead of the resentment building up, like let's just let's just lay some of our chips on the table and go some things I want to talk about. Like it's kind of awkward, but there there are some places where I would love I would love to raise the bar for both of us. It's interesting because it's so it's we just we talked to I talked to Amy Lang recently for the podcast about talking to sex talking about sex with your teen tweens. Right. Amazing. So and and her advice is so similar. Like, yeah, this is awkward, but we need to talk about it, you know, and and we can get through those things. Uh, I mean, there obviously there's so much to talk about here. I'm sure people can dive deeper, but I, I really appreciate you coming on, Ashley, and sharing this. I think that I hope, dear listener, you are inspired to to get yourself some equipment and text your partner really soon. And I'll be there with uh, right there with you. Ashley, uh, this has been fabulous. I really enjoyed talking to you. Is there anything we missed? And how can the listener find out more about what you're doing? Yeah, come say hi on Instagram. Send me a DM. I would love for you to say that you've heard me on Hunter's podcast. I have tons of resources for couples because when I shared this memoir about a very personal part of my marriage and my sex life, then people just started opening up to me hundreds of DMs a day about their marriages. And I was like, wow, cooperation in marriage is so remarkably similar to cooperation in any other healthy space. So I have things you can read. I have Keeping It Hot, the workbook, my book Swing, which has been optioned for a streaming series, which is, oh, wow, how cool. (laughs) So fun that we're going to take really awkward uh, marriage situations and family situations. (laughs) Let's just put it on the screen for everyone to see, right? Oh, I'll be looking forward to that. (laughs) And after dark workshops for couples where I bring in trained sexologists, intimacy coaches, tantric practitioners to give couples, they're called after dark workshops, where it's just a 60 to 90 minute workshop, giving you some new ideas for techniques in the bedroom. It's like a sexy date night in. It's like on, you can just put on the recording, like grab a cup of tea or a glass of wine, lay out your sex, but, and then just, you know, whether you and your partner giggle or have the best sex of your life during it, it's something that's bringing couples closer together. So cool. I love it. Ashley, thank you so much. I think this is so important for 
you know, it's part of parenting. It's part of our whole life to be whole and complete human beings that are, you know, happy, satisfied, content. So, um, hey, thank you so much. I wish you more great sex. I wish our listeners great sex. Thank you so much for being so open to talk to us about it. I, I really always love an open, great conversation like this. So thank you for coming on. You're welcome. I hope you enjoy this episode, my friend. Wow, it's really a little different from our normal parenting talk, but it's so important, right? It's, it's just like an important part of our lives to have, you know, good healthy, sexy relationships. Yeah, that's an important part of our our humanity. And I think we should own that. You know, that's just something that's nothing to be ashamed of. We should be acknowledging this part of our humanity. We're not can break away from the Puritan roots of our country in the U.S. and, you know, acknowledge that we are fully sexual people. And this is an important part of your life. So I hope this episode helped. And if so, please let me know please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It makes such a big difference. I want to give a shout out to D. Pippin, who left a five-star review with clappy hands. They wrote, I'm so grateful that I've stumbled across this podcast. Each episode leaves me feeling inspired to continue to strive to be a better parent. Thank you so much for leaving that review. It helps enormously. Um, so thank you, thank you, thank you. Please leave a review. It helps so much. And um, listen, I hope that you had a great time listening to this podcast. I hope you have some great sex this weekend. And maybe it's sex with your partner. Maybe it's some self sex. Hey, just acknowledge your full humanity. That's what I'm encouraging. And I gotta go and go for a walk with Maggie. 15-year-old, still 15. So I will say, fare thee well. And I wish you a great week. I hope you have mindful moments. Hope you pause. Hope you breathe. Thank you so much for listening. Namaste. I'd say definitely do it. It's really helpful. It will change your relationship with your kids for the better. It will help you communicate better. And just, I'd say communicate better as a person, as a wife, as a spouse. It's been really a positive influence in our lives. So definitely do it. I'd say definitely do it. It's so worth it. The money really is inconsequential when you get so much benefit from being a better parent to your children and feeling like you're connecting more with them and not feeling like you're yelling all the time or you're like, why isn't things working? I would say definitely do it. It's so, so worth it. It'll change you. No matter what age someone's child is, it's a great opportunity for personal growth and it's a great investment in someone's family. I'm very thankful I have this. You can continue in your old habits that aren't working or you can learn some new tools and gain some perspective to shift everything in your parenting. Are you frustrated by parenting? Do you listen to the experts and try all the tips and strategies, but you're just not seeing the results that you want? Or are you lost as to where to start? Does it all seem so overwhelming with too much to learn? Are you yearning for a community of people who get it? who also don't want to threaten and punish to create cooperation? Hi, I'm Hunter Clark-Fields, and if you answered yes to any of these questions, I want you to seriously consider the Mindful Parenting Membership. 
You will be joining hundreds of members who have discovered the path of mindful parenting and now have confidence and clarity in their parenting. This isn't just another parenting class. This is an opportunity to really discover your unique, lasting relationship, not only with your children, but with yourself. It will translate into lasting, connected relationships, not only with your children, but your partner too. Let me change your life. Go to mindfulparentingcourse.com to add your name to the waitlist, so you will be the first to be notified when I open the membership for enrollment. I look forward to seeing you on the inside mindfulparentingcourse.com. Hi there, I'm Andrea Owen, self-help author with 19 translations of my books, global keynote speaker, and life coach. My podcast, Make Some Noise, has been serving up self-help in a simple-to-digest way for the last decade. The topics brought in each episode are practical and easy to implement around topics such as working through fears that keep you stuck, different modalities of therapy, managing your negative self-talk, and more. We bring you guest experts, solo episodes, and I even coach listeners on the air around relatable struggles. I also do my best to weave my sense of humor into some heavy topics because let's face it, life can be pretty hard and it's so much better when we can have some fun while walking through our challenges. Whether you're seasoned in personal development or just starting out, Make Some Noise podcast will help you become the best version of yourself, the person you're proud of when you look in the mirror and show up in your life. Simply search Make Some Noise with Andrea Owen wherever you listen to your podcasts.